Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Get Real with Sandra and Friends, a workplace consortium podcast brought to you by Relogix. I'm excited to be sharing conversational musings about current events and how we envision the ever-changing world of work. I'm Sandra Panera, Director of Workplace Insights at Relogix. With 25 years of hands-on experience, I help value engineer global workplace portfolios and employee experiences by aligning workplace analytics with corporate real estate needs. Have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts? Please drop me a line at podcast at relogics.com. This week, I'd like to introduce my special guest and friend, Pamela Ross. Pamela is a culture catalyst at Blue Rebel Works located right here in Toronto. Pam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Thank you so much for having me. I'm Pam Ross, and I'm the founder of Blue Rebel Works. I believe that we spend far too much time at work for it to suck. So our purpose is to improve people's lives by making work awesome. Fantastic. You know, thinking about culture and kind of who the drivers of culture are in the organization. So again, going back to management and leadership, there's definitely a management leadership culture that I think kind of sets the stage for what the larger culture of the organization is right and there seems to be a lot of resistance at the that level around defining you know what does the future of work look like and this belief that in some shape or form we're going to go back to normal whatever whatever that mm-hmm. is and everybody has a different definition of that but i've heard from several people in different places of the world that they believe that at some point, this is all going to go away and people are just going to go back to work and everything's just go back to the way that it used to be. And so you sort of think think about that and you think, OK, you know, we obviously have a, a great opportunity ahead of us to change the course of history and to to look to the future to essentially improve so many aspects of our lives, society in general, the environment, all of these great things. And yet you have this resistance, which seems to be stemming from the leadership level mm-hmm. of not wanting people to not basically wanting to adapt to this, this new way. And so do you have any thoughts or insights as to what might be causing that resistance? So short answer, ego, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you think about it, executives already have flexibility. No one's telling an executive they can't leave earlier work from home. I mean, in most companies, in most organizations, a senior executive is already managing their life and work. So it is this kind of culture of like haves, have nots, maybe. I don't know. It's but for them to say we have to go back to work. Well, it doesn't really affect them totally. Like they're still going to want to go to the office sometimes and they'll do that. They're going to need to work from home sometimes. and They're going to do that. But then to insist on a policy for everyone else where it's a standardized thing, I think is counter. So I said ego. I do think it is that, you know, going into, I was just reading a really funny article that they had adapted Tim Cook's email about coming back to the office and written it in a funny format instead. And, um, you know, said things like, the real reason is I, I really need people around me to stroke my ego more often or whatever, right? <laughs> I don't think it's to that extent. I think it's unconscious ego of like ego being in control, feel, like having that control or the, the perception of control over what's happening. And 
like executives have control over their own schedules. What people want is control over their schedules. So I'm, as you know, I'm a huge fan of results only work environment. And there was just an article in the New Yorker a few, a few days ago. And Jody Thompson, who's the, the founder and creator of Roe said something like, employees don't want flexibility. They want total control over their schedules. And I would agree for a lot of people. Now, I think there's some people who would rather just someone tell me when to come to work. It's easier and like someone else can manage that. So, you know, I, I'm willing to be challenged on that, but yeah, I do think it's like semblance of control. I do think that senior leaders already have flexibility. So they're not really thinking about how that impacts a regular person day to day. And I think a lot of times they have good intentions. They're thinking like, let's give people flexibility. Let's give them Fridays off or, um, you know, move to a four day week or let them work from home on Mondays and Fridays so they can have long weekends or whatever it is. So they're giving them these like structured flexibility plans in a lot of cases. And that's a bit of an oxymoron, but people would rather control when they want their days off. You know, I see a lot of frustration with those plans because some people, you know, maybe I've run payroll on Fridays. So now I'm feeling like it, this is not fair. Everyone else gets to have their work from home Fridays, but I have to go into the office because I run payroll on Fridays. Why don't we just let people figure out what they have to do to get their work done? So, I mean, that's where I look at what you said, like they're not clear about the work. We're so used to thinking that work is measured by time and attendance and not thinking about just letting people get the work done. So through the pandemic, we saw people working from home and working more hours. So tons of studies say they're working more hours than they did when they were coming in, more meetings. We just like adapted to adapted our old ways to this pandemic work from home way. And that meant, you know, maybe a parent is working from home, but also homeschooling. So then they feel like they didn't put in their hours. So they got to work later at night. And then they're putting more hours in because they're back and forth on email or Slack or whatever. And there's this like overwhelm that was happening for so many people. And if we were just really clear about like, what do you, what are the objectives? What do you really need to get done? And that doesn't mean you have to be online from nine to five, kind of somewhat in work, even though you're homeschooling, just figure out when you can, when you want to work to get it done. So I think people were trying to manage the time still in a world where that time couldn't be nine to five for so many of us. So it it just led to this really unhealthy ways of working. So instead of just adapting our old way, we need to rethink how we're how we're managing work and what work is. And yeah, I and I totally agree. I think that's part of the problem right now is and this kind of push and pull between going back and going forward is that a lot of the habits that we had in the workplace have now been transferred to online that's causing this yeah. overwork. Like I was reading articles too about like how burnout is at an all time high because we're constantly connected. We're constantly working. And even though you can shut it down, you know, you'll still get the ping from Slack or email or whatever. And yes, 
Mm-hmm. You have the choice not to respond, but it's there, right? Whereas yeah. if you were well, at the office, and what right? does your culture say about that, right? Yeah, like, exactly. How exactly. is that actually recognized? Or exactly, yeah. Um, but what the other thing that's interesting too is what you were talking earlier about the management role and just kind of when you said about the ego is that how much do you think the role of management and even leadership for that matter is changing? And like, is it even threatened? Could we even go as far as saying that, you know, management might not even be a requirement anymore in an office environment? You know, people are there to kind of oversee their teams now in, in a virtual world, you know, it feels more equal, right? Everybody has a voice. People can communicate, create sort of little micro teams and work on projects that the manager might not necessarily have oversight to, but it's all deliverables based. Is that okay? We have an objective, we have a deliverable. And so you figure out how to, how to make it work. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of, you know, what's the role that managers play in this, in this new world? In the previous world, you'd have a meeting or you'd, you know, you'd discuss kind of where you were, whereas you could be spending the entire day in meetings in in the virtual world and not actually get any work done. Right. So the recognition that, you know what, you can't have that many meetings. And so just let people work. And what is that impact now on uh, to the managers who used to be the ones that were kind of managing and sort of overseeing all of that, which maybe that that requirement isn't there anymore? Yeah, well, I mean, self-management has been around for decades, right? There's lots of organizations that don't have managers where you make agreements with the team, depending on the roles you play in the organization. And there's democratic decision making. And, you know, there's actually a lot of structure in a self-managed organization, a lot of structure around like how decisions are made and certain like how the meeting is held to make the decisions and and structure around that. But there isn't a person who is like in a hierarchy above or making the decisions for people. So that is definitely an option, right? But I mean, I'd love to see more self-managed organizations. It's interesting. It, It does require a big shift. So, I mean, even myself, I have very small team. So I I have two part-time people on my team and then two subcontracted um, facilitators. And I just hired the second part-timer. And I'm, I was thinking like, how do I not be her manager? I do not want to feel like I'm managing someone. And so, you know, figuring out, okay, when, how often do we want to meet? I, I don't want to make that decision. How, you know, what do we think together will help us both be successful here. Um, I don't want to call. She she decided on her first day. Why don't I put some questions together and we're going to do a marketing strategy? But I'll like lead that meeting. And so she's invited me to a meeting to do a marketing strategy. And I'm like, this is could be really awesome. And so, it, but it is different for me. Like I'm like, oh, I was thinking I had to structure what she needed to work on and what projects. But if she tells me what's needed then why would I do that? She's the expert in her field, right? So, and even for me who I like, I've studied self-management, I've taken courses, I've worked in little self-managed teams outside of my business. And it's still a big shift in thinking, but I would love to see more of that. The other thing is, you know, and I think back to Google did a study a few years ago about like 
taking away managers and could they manage without managers? And they ended up deciding that managers were essential, but some of the functions of managers were, it was really around coaching, sharing vision, that sort of thing. So like, do you need to be a manager to be someone's coach? I would suggest no. And in fact, there's people that are better coaches for you outside of your manager. Um, so it's like a deeper questioning about what that management role is and like, you know, why is it a manager's role? So I think there's, I think there is opportunity. I am guessing that most companies will not go that far, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> if it was going to happen, now would be a great time. It's true. It's true. But you know, it's interesting because even you said earlier about the fact that, you know, people will just or could just figure it out if they were given the opportunity to, right? Like I, I've often said, like, are we, are we over engineering this whole like return to office and kind of this idea of what the future of work will be where it's just, just let people figure it out. Like, I mean, you know, if they have control over their schedule and as long as they know what's expected of them and that mm-hmm. could open up a whole other conversation That's around different. goals and kind of how do you measure success and all of that other fun stuff, but yeah. just having the autonomy to make the decision and, 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 you know, give people the the benefit of the doubt that they're going to do the right thing. And if they don't, then obviously there's going to be repercussions, but people need to understand that. Right. Yeah. And, and just that whole thing of like, you know, if you gave people the freedom to, to choose when they wanted to be in the office, you gave people the freedom to choose, you know, the time with work. It's not even just where you, it's like, like written in stone. Obviously there's, flexibility because sometimes you're going to be required to work on a Friday because you're working on a project, but then, or you might be required to work till, you know, late at night because you have a client in the other, on the other side of the world. But then, you know, the next day or whatever, you can basically take that time back or, you know, start a little bit later or whatever, and you still get stuff done. But when you're in the position to be able to make those decisions and not feel like you're being watched or that you're being judged or measured for productivity because you're not sitting in front of your computer and working for the eight hours or seven and a half hours a day, it changes your mindset, right? Like I think yeah. when you have that level of freedom and, and, and ability to make those choices, I know from my personal experience, I've always been way more willing to put more into it than when it's, when you know that you're being watched, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, then I'm not giving more than what's expected. Yeah. Well, and I mean, this, goes back again to what your cultural norms are and the patterns of behavior, right? I mean, I worked in the corporate world and in specific companies, like your time at work was such a measure of whether you were a high performer. Um, so people would talk all the time about being so busy and having to be at the office all weekend and having to miss their child's recital and like all of these things because you got recognized for the time you spent. Now, were we more productive than any other place? I would say definitely not. So yeah, it really is. And this is why, can I talk just briefly about Roe? Because I really love the way the results only work environment thinks about work and it is a hundred percent autonomy and a hundred percent accountability. So this is the where people I think go wrong. They think 
like we can't if, if they just give everyone all the autonomy, but they haven't gotten clear about what are you responsible for and what are the outcomes we need to get, then you lose the accountability piece and it's just like a free for all and we might not meet any objectives, right? So you need both. Mm-hmm. And that's I think where a lot of organizations and managers are going wrong right now because they don't know how to manage the outcomes of the work. So they, the easiest way to manage people is to know that they worked eight hours. So that's why we see the trading of time. Like in a row, you don't go like, oh, I left early today, but I'll put an extra hours tomorrow. You don't talk about time. You just get your stuff done. So I really, really think that that is such an effective way to think about work, to really get clear on what are the outcomes your role is responsible for. And what happens in a row is that people start to be more proactive because I know that, you know, I'm working with Sandra and I can't assume that she is going to be available nine to five. I have to think about what I'm going to need from Sandra ahead of time so that she has a heads up and she knows what I need from her so that she can figure out how to get it done in her own way. So people get used to being more personally responsible and collaborating in different ways because your job and your outcomes depend on other people all the time. You just have to communicate it better so that you've got all of this give and take happening all the time. So, um, yeah. And, and one of the principles of a row, which I love is every meeting is optional. And what I am, one of the things I'm hearing now is people are in zoom meetings all the time. Like I think what's happened is, because in the office before I used to pop by someone's desk to ask a question and they were like, oh, well, we don't have those pop bys. So now we have to schedule meetings to do all those check ins on all the things that we used to just casually drop by and check on. And so now people are on Zoom meetings all the time. And that's this is where I go, like, don't adapt, reinvent. So the adaptation is to go like, oh, we used to meet about this this way. Now we'll meet about it this way reinventing would be like, what if I could never speak to a person live? How would I do this differently? Like what, what would be a different way of, of managing this? So like start thinking differently about all of those things. Don't just adapt really like reinvent collaboration used to be in a boardroom with a whiteboard. And so we adapted to an online whiteboard in a zoom meeting. Well, no, rethink that. Like, how can you be collaborating asynchronously? How could our team sometimes just opens a Google Doc and we're not even on a call, but we're both or two of us or three of us will be in a Google Doc working together. So you can kind of see what people are working on at the same time. And it's like this little like burst of collaboration, even though we don't have to talk. So like there's so many ways to collaborate without being in a meeting with a whiteboard. So yeah, that's really interesting because we, we do the same thing. So we have Slack in our organization. And, you know, when I first joined um, Relogix, it was interesting because I've worked in the, you know, large enterprise organizations that you'd used Exchange, right? So for the most mm-hmm. part. And, um, you know, everything was an email. So you get like your, you know, <laughs> long list of emails every day. And then transitioning over to Relogix, it was like, you know, there's, Slack was what we used internally, like a chat where you it was obviously to, you know, quickly reach out to someone. So it's kind of like walking up to somebody in the office. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. in Toronto, the head office is in, in Ottawa. 
Um, but then also like updates, right? So there's like a series of different channels. If I'm interested in certain project statuses, if I'm interested in certain, um, if there's like, you know, just private t- groups or teams that are being formed because we're working on a, a, we're collaborating on a project together. There's ideas that get posted there or questions and, and it doesn't have to all happen at the same time. So somebody mm-hmm. will post a question or an update or something. And then, you know, people will sort of chime in at different, different times of the day or even over the course of the week. And sometimes those conversations, you know, last for a long period of time. Um, the other thing that we also started to do was, you know, um, the whiteboarding, right? So using tools like Miro, where you're, you're going in and you're create, again, could be asynchronous, doesn't necessarily all have to be that we're all on at the same time, but you sort of start to build it out and then having the ability to move stuff around and you can kind of see who did the edits and who said what or who did what. And so I think a lot of the resistance potentially in corporate is because of the tools, the traditional tools that you're kind of given. And I often think about you know, even the transition from one company to the next when I was working in large corporate organizations is the tools that were available to me as a user made or broke my ability to be successful. And I was telling mm-hmm. the story of leaving an organization where they were, they had sort of adapted their, you know, their network. And this is going back in the 80s and 90s and over was in the 90s and then going to an organization where the network system and even the email system that they were using was like, who uses that anymore? <laughs> right. And then, you know, you work so many years using, you know, Outlook and Exchange and suddenly you're like, seriously, I have to now relearn how to use this tool that I haven't used in like seven years. Yeah. And just the impact that that has on your productivity. Right. So I think that that's that's a key element to it as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, there's always more to uncover and learn. (laughs) So again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. 